Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you are watching for the first time or are simply catching up on a message you miss, we are so glad you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. May you be inspired by the word today. All right, are you all ready to eat? It's time to eat. It's time to eat our spiritual uh, uh, word, and Eddie has stayed up to help with the reading of our text. We are, as Pastor Mick already said, we're beginning a new series uh, called The Second Coming and Heaven, and I'm going to kick it off today with, is the sign of the end of the age upon us? And so let's go to the word of God. Our text today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. We're going to read several verses, verses 3 through 14, and Eddie is going to help us read for those who are joining us online. We're so glad that you're here. Yes, out of respect for the word, if you are able, if you will stand, and we will read through this text together. I will start with verse 3, and then you guys will do the next verse. Verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the Holy Spirit enable the doing of his holy word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this preaching moment. God, I ask that you hide me behind your cross. Let your words come from your heart through me to your people. And God, let your word do what it does best. Father, let it break the yoke. Let signs and wonders follow. Let it draw amen unto you. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to learn more of you. And we dedicate this time to you in Jesus' name. And if you agree, will you shout amen? Amen. amen. Thank you, Eddie. You may be seated and get comfortable. The Bible is very specific about the signs of the end of the age. And 
Arguably, there are hundreds of prophecies in the Bible that speak to the end of the age or the end times. Uh, we find a lot of prophecy in Daniel and in Revelation, and I tell you that for your own Bible study, that you can start there. And we see then in Matthew 24, when the disciples ask Jesus, what are the signs of the end of the age? He actually <clears throat> quotes from Daniel in the discourse that we just read. It is known as the Olivet Discourse. And we see it in three of the four Gospels. In Matthew 24, we also see the same discourse in Mark 13, and we see this discourse again in Luke 21. John does not include this dis discourse. If you read all three of them, you will find that there are little nuances and little differences between each of them. And some scholars believe that the reason that is is because the conversation that Jesus perhaps had with the disciples was a longer one. And each of the writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, condensed or summarized in their way, which might explain the slight differences uh, between the three in those three synoptic gospels. And of course, there's much debate and conjecture about the end of the age and are we in the end times now? Does the rapture come before the tribulation or after the tribulation or even is there a rapture? And uh, will the present Christians at the time of uh, the return of Christ, will they be here to be a part of the uh, millennial reign, the 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ or will they have already been raptured? There's a lot of debate about all of these and so Quite honestly, this topic that uh, is my assignment this morning is a big and it's a heavy one, it's a, it's a weighty one, and for many it's an academic one. There are whole courses taught on this, and we're not going to embark to do any of the academic discourse on this, uh, in this sermon, but we will deal specifically with what we just read, the text, what Jesus said as a direct answer to the disciples. How will we know the end of the age is coming? Now, if you have uh, the sermon notes, which are in the app and on uh, the website, I encourage you to uh, follow along, but there are a lot of scriptures in there. I tried to do some work and the legwork for you. We won't have time today and our time together to go through all of those scriptures, certainly not to read all of those scriptures, but I encourage you in your own Bible study time, even even if you want to use it in devotion time, it's kind of a heavy subject for devotion, but I encourage you to go through and read these scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you Holy Spirit's truth about this. So I'm just going to get you started with our time today. Is that all right? Amen? All right. So what does end of the age mean? Let's start there. Some scholars divide human history into what are known as dispensations. These are specific times or eras of the move or the work of God. And many scholars will have identified seven dispensations in the course of human history. And I won't go through all of those, but I'll just name them quickly for you. There is the age of innocence, of course, when Adam and Eve were on the earth and there was no sin. And then the age of conscience, when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and introduced sin into mankind. And then there's the age of human government in 
Noah's time, in the age of promise in Abraham's time, in the age of law in Moses' time, and then with the advent of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the age of grace. And many scholars believe that's the age that we're living in now, the age of grace. And then the seventh dispensation is the age of the millennial reign of Christ. And so since we're in the age of grace, we're exploring, are we at the end of this age? What are the signs that are happening around us? So the end of the age is the culmination of prophecies regarding the tribulation, the rapture, the judgment, and initiating the second coming of Jesus. Now, it is important for us as believers to be aware of the signs that are happening around us, to discern the signs of the time. In fact, Jesus said in this Olivet Discourse that just like when we see green leaves appear on a fig tree, that that tells us that summer is coming, that we should discern the signs of what's happening around us, not just physically, not just socioeconomically, not just politically, Politically, but spiritually, so that we can understand what's coming and how God is moving. We should be able to discern the spiritual times. So I want to compare what Jesus said in Matthew 24 to what's happening today. Now, you know, uh, if you've ever heard me preach before, I love a good fiery sermon. I love getting excited and maybe even working up a hoop and a shout. Uh, but that's not what this topic uh, requires. And so if you will allow me, I'd like to just teach for the next few minutes. Is that all right? Amen. Put on your spiritual ears. I know you can hear my voice, but the voice most important for you to hear as we march through this is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So this is what uh, Matthew 24 that we just read. Let me just do a quick recap of what we just read. This is what Jesus said in response to the disciples asking, how will we know the end of the age has come and that you will be returning? Among the things that Jesus said, he said there will be a rise in false prophets that would deceive many and some who would say that they, in fact, are the return of the Messiah. And Jesus says, don't believe it when they say that. And we know throughout history, throughout my lifetime, I can remember at least a half dozen people who said that they were the savior of the world and are said that they knew exactly the end of the world. There was a particular preacher in California who had a radio show, and I remember this, I was working in news at the time, and he predicted the exact date of the end of the world after analyzing all the prophecies in historical literature. And so he predicted that in a day in May of 2011, for those of you who are old enough, you might remember this, it got a lot of news, uh, that that was the end of the world, and there were thousands, if not hundreds of thousand people across the country and around the world that were uh, hoarding up uh, food and weapons and buying seeds because they didn't want to take on the mark of the beast and be able to grow their own food because he was convinced that this date in May in 2011 was the end of the world. Well, that date came and went, and of course, the world did not end. So then he did some recalculation and uh, then said that it, the end of the world was coming in October, that he was just off by a few months. And of course, that day came and went 
and the end of the world, of course, has not happened yet. I was looking him up this morning and come to find out recently he just uh, passed, uh, passed away. So uh, the end of the world did not come in his lifetime as he had predicted. The scripture says, Jesus said that there will be rumors of wars and wars. And my goodness, we see that happening today, don't we? We see the uh, aggression and the assertion of China as it looks greedily at Taiwan and as it looks to become a, a world dominant nation. And we see even now in the news every single day uh, the uh, assertion that Russia is planning to invade Ukraine. And of course, you know, US troops pulled out of Af Afghanistan and that has led to a rise uh, in the ISIS organization now known as ISIS came, we know that Iran has been trying for decades to uh, produce a nuclear weapon, and there is all of this conflict all around the world. So that seems to fit. Check. The scripture also says that there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes, and I could spend the rest of my time just talking about that. First of all, when it comes to uh, pestilence, we are still living in the midst of a global pandemic. The COVID-19 virus that has now mutated so uh, many times, the variant that is circulating now is nothing like the original virus that first infiltrated the human species, and it has happened all around the world. Let led to an unprecedented global economic shutdown. So check, that seems to check off the box. And then if you'll remember before COVID even came, the, one of the big news, is, big news as it related to science was the impending day of full antibiotic resistance. Remember that? Used to be in the news all the time where uh, we have been overusing antibiotics so much and, and bacteria was mutating so fast that we were running out of antibiotics that would be uh, effective against all viruses and their mutations. And that is still a threat. We just don't hear about it much anymore because we're all focused on COVID. So check that checks off, and then of course, uh, earthquakes and natural disasters. Just last week, there was a tornado in January in Alabama. Now, I grew up in the South. I grew up in what's known as Tornado Alley, and tornadoes usually started in the spring, maybe around March, which was a little early, and then went until the first frost, sometime around October or November. A tornado in January is highly unusual, and you'll remember in December, there was that cataclysmic tornado that was one one or two miles uh, wide that wiped out full swaths of communities in Kentucky. Certainly unusual natural disasters, not to mention the wildfires. If you'll remember, there was a huge fire in, in California before COVID hit that we didn't know how we were gonna stop it. And there've been wildfires even in this winter, which again is against the season they usually happen in. And then Jesus goes on to say that Christians will be persecuted and, and killed. And check, we're seeing that as well, just as one of many examples, I found out that in North Africa, in uh, the last decade, there have been 500,000 Christian martyrs just in North Africa. So we've certainly seen the persecution of the church and of Christians. And uh, the Bible also tells us in this Olivet Discourse that uh, people will turn away from their faith. And oh my goodness, aren't we seeing that? 
there's a rise of anti-religious sentiment in our society, especially Western developed cultures and specifically in the United States of America, found one statistic from the Pew Research Center that uh, uh, 10 years ago, only 16% of Americans identified as atheists. In 10 short years, nearly one third of Americans polled in the survey identify as atheists. In that same period of time, 10 years ago, 75% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. Just 10 years later, now only 63% of Americans consider themselves to be Christians. So check, that's another sign. Jesus said there would be rampant sin. Well, again, I could spend the rest of my time talking about that. But in this modern society that we live in, this postmodern 21st century technological age, we see uh, sin rampant, and not only rampant, but accepted. Promiscuity, lying, cheating, violence is not only affirmed, in some cases, it is considered to be necessary for success in our secular society. Check, there's another sign. The scriptures, Jesus says then that love will grow cold. And before that, he said that uh, parents would be against their children and children against their parents. And my, aren't we seeing that both on a family level and on a macro societal level between the political discord that is happening and the division in our nation, racial unrest and violence, check. That seems to be another sign. And oh, let me not to forget to mention that the division that just wearing a mask or getting a vaccine or not has created in our culture and society. So check. And then even beyond the Olivet Discourse, there are several other scriptures that talk about the signs of the end of the age. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says, people will love themselves only and their money above all. Does that sound familiar? Second Peter chapter three, verses three through 14. Again, I'm not gonna read all of these, but certainly feel free to read them in your own time. It says, people will mock the truth. My guess, there are many of us who have been mocked and teased because we took a definitive stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I worked in the news business for 25 years. And uh, in that culture, not just the industry, but certainly in the part of the country that I worked in, in, in New York, not only was uh, Christ Christianity uh, uh, laughed at uh, and marginal <clears throat> excuse me, marginalized, it wasn't just an ungodly environment. In many cases, it was an a-godly environment. No belief in any God beyond themselves. The scripture tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 and 9 through 11 that there would be a rise of the Antichrist, one who will come and say that he or she is the Messiah and will even perform uh, signs and wonders and miracles and would deceive many, but they will not be the true Messiah. It's a heavy message, I know it is. Hang on with me. I'll give you a tip to the last page of my notes. We know how it all ends. Amen. I just had to take that commercial break for a second. Amen. It does sound like we are definitely 
in the end of the age. All that doom and destruction made my mouth dry. However, we're not the first to think. If you do and think after, if you do in fact think after hearing all of this, that these are the signs of the end of the age, we're not the first ones to think that. The apostles, including Paul, thought that they were living in the last time during biblical times. We see that over and over in the scripture. Some of the fathers of our Christian faith, certainly Protestantism and Reformed faith, Martin Luther and John Calvin both thought they were living at the end of the age. The rise of communism after World War I caused many to think that that was the end time. The creation of United, the United Nations in 1946 after World War II caused many to think that was the end uh, of the time, thinking the United Nations was the coalescence of government that scripture talks about as a sign of the end of the age. In 1948, the World Council of Churches was organized and the state of Israel uh, was reorganized and recognized. Many believe that those were signs that that was the end of the age yet it would appear that God is tarrying that we haven't yet come to the end and I know when I was growing up having grown up not only in a Christian home but a church going home I grew up in the 70s where the vogue thing was to talk about the end times and I can remember being scared to death hearing these fire and brimstone preachers uh, talk about uh, the tribulation and how terrible it was going to be and then would do an altar call after that and scare people to Jesus and I know when I was young I wanted I wanted to uh, have Jesus in my life just because I was scared of hell and all the terrible things that they were talking about. It had nothing to do with love. But yet, Jesus tarries. God tarries. And then, of course, there's the one unmistakable sign, and this is for your information, of the end of the age, and that is God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. So the question then is, is Jesus' return imminent. Now, I don't want to uh, steal any of the thunder from, I think it's next week, talking about Jesus coming back from Pastor Mick, but I will say this, that the scripture very specifically says, no man knows the day nor the hour when Jesus will return. Not angels and not even Jesus. Only the Father knows. So if you hear someone on the radio, on a podcast, on a web blog that tells you that they figured out the exact date of Jesus' return, run quickly because they're lying, because only the Father knows. Jesus is waiting on the Father to give him the head nod. He doesn't even know. In fact, the scripture then tells us that what we can say for sure after laying all of that out, is that the end of the age is closer. Will Jesus return in our lifetime? I don't know. I'd be crazy to tell you I did after I just said that somebody who said it would be lying. I'm trying not to stand here before you and lie. I don't know. But we can use these scriptures to indicate that the end is coming closer. 
Now, all of this is heavy. You just heard it. Wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and earthquakes and uh, uh, fathers turning against sons and mothers turning against daughters and love growing cold and the increase of people walking away from the faith. And it sounds awful. And if I'm being honest, it also sounds scary. But this is what I want you to get from this sermon. That those who are in Christ Jesus have no need to be afraid of the end times. Can I get an amen? In fact, in in Matthew 24 and verse 6, we've already read it. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then this is what he says. I love it. It's very brief. He says, don't panic. Don't panic. And then he goes on to say that, uh, that these are the beginning of the sorrows, but that we can face the end with confidence. Will you say back to me, confidence? When we are in Christ Jesus, not only can we face the end with confidence, we can face anything going on in our life today with confidence. Amen? And now I'm going to get myself all worked up. I'm going to try to teach this whole time. Y'all hold me back. Hold me back. 1 John 4, verse 17 through 19 does bear reading. I'm going to read verse 17. It says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this earth. The scripture goes on to tell us that even though all of these things are happening around us, that not a hair on our head will be touched. Hallelujah. And can I just add, and we're not supposed to add to the scriptures, but I believe it's any kind of hair. Hair that grew out of your head, hair that you took out of a drawer, hair that you painted on, whatever hair you got, it's not going to be touched when you are in Christ Jesus. And as a matter of fact, that this time of of tribulation, this end time, is a time for us to win more souls. And then this is what I love the most, and I want you to remember. Matthew 24, 13 says, Jesus says this, he says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to endure. Turn to your other neighbor, you endure too. We are going to endure to the end. However, we only can have that confidence. Our hair can be untouched. We only can be saved when we are in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ Jesus, I got the good news. And here comes my hooping part. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. When we are in Christ Jesus, we are the head and not the tail. When we are in Christ Jesus, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. When we are in Christ Jesus, we have victory in the name of Jesus. When we are in Christ Jesus, we can have life and have it more abundantly. When we are in Christ Jesus, we don't have to have the spirit of fear, but we can have the spirit of power of love and a sound mind. When we are in Christ Jesus, then all of our needs are met according to his riches in glory. We know how this is going to 
in and we have been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee for our inheritance for eternal life with the Father. So let me just take a break and have a, a commercial pause right here because this is important. It is not just enough to have Jesus, but it's also to have the Holy Spirit that he sent back after he ascended to the right hand of the Father to assist us in living in this time. You see, it's important to recognize Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins and that he rose again. But he told the disciples, I will not leave you alone, but I'll send you a helper, the Spirit of truth. The Spirit convicts us. The Spirit protects us. The Spirit propels us. The Spirit teaches us. And if you have not asked the Holy Spirit into your life and into your heart, today is a good day to do it. The Scripture told us that all we have to do is ask. It says that if a father, if a child asks a father for an egg, would he give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would he, would he give him a scorpion? And then it goes on, Luke says it. He says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. So I just want to take a, a second and give you the opportunity. All you got to do is ask. And listen, if you're scared, I, could, I know there's a lot of misconception out here about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he's not going to make you roll up and down the aisle unless you just want to. He's not going to make you speak in other tongues unless you're willing to. But I am guarantee you it's the best decision you'll make after salvation. So I just want to take one second to give you the opportunity, if you have never asked the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit, now is your time, today is your day. And just to take a moment and say, fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. If that's you, just ask him right now, and he'll do it. It don't have to be a, big, a great big to-do, just say, fill me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And if you've asked that, he's given it to you. Now, can we praise the Lord for his faithfulness? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So as I round the back curve and come on down the final stretch, what do we do while we wait then? We know we're coming closer to the end. We don't know when the end is. So what do we do while we wait? 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says it like this. Live righteously and in peace. That simply means, as my grandmother would say, do right. Do right by other people. I believe that God is not pleased when we take on the nature of the world and become cantankerous and belligerent and, and, and uh, have disunity amongst the brethren. Yes, I know there's political difference and you can have political difference. That's all right with me, but we don't have to be ugly about it. I don't believe God has called us to be like the world. So while we're waiting on him to come, why don't you let him find you being kind to people? Why don't you let him catch you doing nice things for people who misuse you? Why don't you let him catch you being generous to those who are not generous to you? Why don't you let God catch you giving them your cloak when they ask for your coat? Why don't we be caught, be caught being good and righteous and living in peace? Can I get an amen? I know it's hard to shout off of that, but it's, it's right. As the old saints used to say, it's tight, but it's right. 
And let me just remind you of our mission that's right here at KCC. You all know what our mission is, right? What's our mission? That's right, to know him and to make him known. I believe that's the only reason we're all still living. Because God could have struck us all dead the moment we accepted Jesus in our heart and our eternity was secured in him. But he left us here to finish the work. So while we're here, doggone it, let's finish the work. Evangelize, witness to your neighbors, witness to the barista at your coffee shop. And then finally, does it really matter? Does it really matter that we know when the end time is or whether or not it's coming? This is what I have to say. It matters because Jesus said it mattered. He said, watch, be watchful. And he used the parable of a master going away and leaving the servants with things to do. And what happened when the master came back and saw some servants not doing the work that they were left to do? Let's not let our master, Jesus, come back, find us not doing what he left us here to do. So here's my call to action. And then I wanna do a response. If you have not already, I encourage you today, this day at 11.08 a.m., on Sunday, February 6th, to invite Jesus in your heart to be your Lord and Savior. I'm gonna come back to that. It's so important, and you're not guaranteed tomorrow to do it. I want you to commit to living at peace with all people in as much as it's up to you. Let me say it again, live at peace with others in as much as it's up to you. Commit to, being, to living a lifestyle of disciple-making. It is not enough to just say, God bless you when you leave somebody or when somebody asks you how you're doing, say blessed and highly favored. We need to make disciples. We need to be in relationship. We need to get close enough with our iron to sharpen their iron. Don't you understand iron can't sharpen iron when they're not next to each other? They gotta be close. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify someone in your life with whom you can pursue a redemptive relationship. What that means is there are people in your life that don't know Jesus. Develop the relationship with them. Don't be exclusionary. Christianity was not meant to be a, a country club. We were sent out, that's what Jesus did when he came back after his crucifixion and, and, and appeared to the disciples. He sent them out. He said, you can't stay in this place. You gotta go. We gotta go out and make disciples, and not just make disciples, but make disciples that make disciples. I believe that whether you're here on site or someone online, you're not sure whether or not you're in right relationship with God. And I wanna offer the opportunity for you to get in right relationship right here and right now. And let me just say, coming to church won't save your soul. It's great, I'm glad you're here. Come back next week. But being here is not what saves your soul. Being a good person is not what saves your soul. Trying to lie as little as possible is not what saves your soul. There's only one way. Romans 10 says it like this. 
when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he is the son of God, you will be saved. Verse 13 goes on to say, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I used to laugh at this kind of altar call when I was growing up, but I think the topic of today's sermon makes it appropriate. I remember when I was a teenager especially, used to hand out tracts. And we were coached to say, to ask someone, if you died today, do you know you would go to heaven? And you think that was a pressure sale, it was coercive. But I think it's appropriate today, because yeah, we, I do believe we're closer to the end of the age than we've ever been. And while God desires a love relationship with us, some of us need to know the reality of what's at stake if we're not in relationship with him. I'm gonna ask all of you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. For those of you who are sure of your salvation, I want you to begin to pray. And if you're not sure, if the tribulation started today and Jesus came back and you're not sure where you would end up, I don't want you to let this moment pass without getting right with God. It's very simple. You just have to believe that he's the son of God. He came to this earth. He died for your sins. And he rose again in victory. And gives that victory to you by accepting that work on the cross. If you have never prayed a prayer of salvation and asked Jesus into your heart. Or if you have prayed that prayer before. But it just didn't pan out but you're ready to do it today and you mean it today. I wanna make space for you to do that. If that's you, if you're online, if you'll just type in the chat, I'm ready. And the hosts are there to interact with you. If you're here in the room with me and that's you, don't let the devil cheat you out of this moment. If you are not sure, I invite you to be sure today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you are? Again, eyes closed. It's just between you and God. I just wanna see your hand. If that's you, raise your hand high so I can see you. Thank you, I see that, I see that, thank you. Thank you, I see, I see, I see that, thank you. Anybody, I see you over there, thank you. Most importantly, God sees you. If you raised your hand, and even if you didn't, you just couldn't quite get it up in the air, I wanna ask everybody to pray this prayer of salvation. We're gonna do it in support of those who raised their hands. So repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for trying to live without you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose again. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my savior. I'll never try to live without you again. Now say this, in the name of Jesus, I am saved. I can go forward in confidence and I'm going to heaven. 
in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm just gonna, we don't, I, I'm not gonna invite you down to the altar, but if you prayed that prayer, whether it was the first time or the 10th time, but you meant it this time, you want Jesus in your heart, you wanna live the life that he died for you to live, and you wanna go to bed every night knowing that your eternity is in heaven with the Father. If that's you, would you just stand so that we could rejoice with you that you made this great decision today? If that's you, would you stand? Would you stand? Hallelujah. Would you stand? Would you just stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I see you. I see you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Bible says, you can take your seats. The Bible says that when one comes into the kingdom of God, that the angels rejoice that their name is now written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I just want you to know, in addition to the applause you just got, and there were some hands that I saw and you didn't stand up and that's okay. God heard your prayer and saw your heart. Just know, in addition to that applause, that angels are having a party on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that will reveal all truth to us. Now help us to live righteously and in peace. Help us to complete the mission that you left us here to do. Help us, God, to be able to stand firm in our faith and to be disciple makers that make disciple makers. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And Father, I just come against any attempt of the enemy to try to bring fear and trepidation because of this topic. And I break that assignment in the name of Jesus. And so we rejoice, Lord, that it might get worse than it already is. But we thank you, Lord, that we who call upon you shall be saved. Not one hair of our head will be touched and that we won't have to panic. And we will be sure to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you believe that, would you just rejoice? Would you just give God some praise?